You know, I've been hearing what you've been hearing on the news, but, you know, there's a phenomenon going on in our country. Uh, It's it's. People. And I just give you an example. They get fired. They're feel like they've been mistreated. uh, Fired unjustly. And they go back to work and they kill everybody that they can. You know, we've seen it in postal workers. We've seen it in every kind of, at hospitals. It's amazing. And every time I hear about one of these stories, I think, what in the world is going on? You know, people have been treated badly or fired or taken advantage of for thousands of years, but you don't go murder anybody because you feel like you were mistreated. And yet it seems to be almost every week you hear one more story and every week I'm taken aback and I think, what in the world is going on? And then add to that, it's kind of similar, and that is road rage. Now, not just simple road rage. You know, I mean, you know, we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about somebody cuts you off or they cut you off or you cut them off. And they pull out a gun and they shoot you. Or they ram your car and kill people. And again, the same idea. What in the world is going on in our country? What has produced this extreme response to small things? And as I was praying about that, and I was praying about what parable to talk about, felt like the Lord said, our country has an unforgiving spirit. We have not learned how to let go of wrongs that are suffered. We hold on to things. We bottle it up full of anger and bitterness and resentment. And then whether it's a road rage or whether it's getting fired at work or being mistreated, they explode with anger and violence. But it comes from the same place. An unforgiving spirit. Jesus talked often about forgiveness. He knew that forgiveness would be a cornerstone of his kingdom. It would be necessary as us, as citizens of the kingdom of God, it would be necessary, mandatory that we learn how to forgive. He knew that all of life would require us to forgive. For us to be successful citizens of the kingdom of God and for us to be happy and to be peaceful, we would have to learn how to forgive. And so Jesus gave us the most powerful, potent parable on forgiveness in the entire Bible. It's in Matthew 18. And I'm going to read the parable to you in just a moment. But I want to say this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, 
for reconciliation to take place, forgiveness is a prerequisite. But forgiveness is within all of our power. We all can forgive, but reconciliation is not in our power. That takes agreement, it takes work, it takes time, it takes two people. And the truth of it is, is that one person may never, they wrong you, or you believe they've wronged you, and the truth is, they may never acknowledge what they've done. They may not believe they've done anything wrong. But we are still under command to forgive for our own sake. So I want you to read with me this parable. It's in Matthew 18. And in a minute, I'm going to give you the context. After we read this, I'm going to give you the context. kind of interesting uh, when you find out a little more about the context. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord... How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Huge amount. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. That was very typical of that day and time of what what you would do if you couldn't pay your debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king... He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. Interesting. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That, and this is Jesus talking now, in response to the parable, verse 35, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I want to tell you, that's a powerful statement. He is saying, my heavenly Father, will put you in prison. You will be in prison. And you will be tortured. Because you've refused to forgive. Pretty powerful. A few interesting notes. The teaching of the day. When they went to the uh, synagogue. And they got taught by the rabbis. The teaching of the day was that you forgave three times. But if someone did something more than three times. You were not to forgive them. 
because they should have learned their lesson. So after the third time, that's it. So when Peter heard Jesus talking about a brother who had, been, who had wronged someone, he kind of got his attention. He thought, oh, okay, well, I'm going to find out if the teaching of the rabbis is correct. And so he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive people? And he upped the ante. He went way over the three. And he said, up to seven times? And Jesus blew his mind and said, no, 70 times seven. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, forget counting. Has nothing to do with numbers. And he launches into this parable. And the parable is not just to Peter. Not just to those disciples there that day. This parable is to every believer in Christ. This parable is to every person who would be a part of the kingdom of God. You, me, all of us. This is a parable to us. Jesus knew how important forgiveness was. He knew how important forgiveness would be. And he knew that if we don't learn to forgive, we are going to be miserable. And again, different thing than reconciliation. And it's also not a loss of memory. When you say, I'm going to forgive someone, it's not just, I forget. No, it's a choice. And I'll say this, it's a daily choice to extend forgiveness based on God's forgiveness that we receive. And I say this, it's a daily choice. I forgive, I choose to forgive every day. And so I want to clear up the misconceptions and we want to talk about How does God expect us to forgive? Because the honest truth is, sometimes we don't feel like or want to forgive. How many of you have ever been wronged and you didn't really want to forgive? Let me see your honest hands. Yeah, I've been there. You don't really want to. You want to make them pay. I want a little revenge here. Hey, you know the truth is? Our old nature loves revenge. All of us has got a little dirty hairy in us. Okay, go ahead. I'm making my day, buddy. And I'm going to let you have it. That's in all of our old nature. But praise be to God, we have a new nature in Christ. We learn to live in a new kingdom with a new nature after we have been born again. And so, through this parable, I believe there are three primary truths that we have to glean and I'm praying that all of us would hopefully gain from this parable and we would live lives of forgiveness. The very first truth and that is the source of forgiveness is God's forgiveness. And that's important to understand that. The source of forgiveness You see, forgiveness comes from the forgiver, not the forgiven. And that's why if you're waiting for someone to say, I'm sorry, (laughs) you've got a long wait coming. Because more than likely, they are not going to say, I'm sorry. In fact, while you're fretting and worried and anxious about them saying, I'm sorry, they're clueless. 
They haven't even figured out they've done anything wrong, much less even considered saying, I'm sorry. So, forgiveness is not based on the one who's forgiven. It's all based on the forgiver. And we forgive because God has given us his forgiveness. You know, the amazing thing is that uh, we have to have a heart that sees the costliness. And And I say this carefully. The costliness of God's forgiveness. What was the costliness? What did it cost God to give you forgiveness? He sent his son, Jesus, to the cross. Now, I want you just to consider this. Think about this. When you refuse to forgive, you put shame on what Jesus did at the cross. Because to forgive is to acknowledge God's grace in your life. It's to acknowledge that you have been forgiven of a far greater debt. And that was the picture of the money there. One, the servant, uh, he had a huge debt that he couldn't possibly pay. And the other one had a smaller debt. And the picture is, is that we have a debt before God because we are all this servant. We are all this unforgiving servant. And we all have a debt before our Heavenly Father that we cannot possibly pay. And yet God in his mercy pays it for us. You see, that's the picture. The king paid the debt. The king released the debt. Now, notice he offered to try and pay it off, but there's no way he could pay it off. So the king said, no, I just release you. In essence, he's saying, I'll pay the debt. I'll take the hit. Jesus did the same thing for us. He extended His grace to us. And the key that we have to understand is that we forgive because of the high cost that God paid for our forgiveness. You have to see your... And this is the problem. We get focused on the pain. We get focused on the hurt. We get focused on what they did. And because we're focused on what they did, we want to tell everybody about what they did. And as long as you're trying to recount what they did, you'll never get past. General Lee, after the war, the troops were coming home, one of the ladies that they stayed at their house heading back. She made a point to tell General Lee, and she she brought him outside. She said, look what the the Union troops, look what they did. They, they, They shelled our house, and look at the wound on this tree. And she wanted to make sure he knew what his troops had done. And all he said was, cut it down, lady, and forget it. And you know that's what we have to do. As long as that tree is going to be there, it's going to be a reminder of the hurt. 
And sometimes we've got to cut it down and let it go. And when we are unable to, when we're unwilling to, there's a high cost. And I think that's the second truth that you have to see in this that's so important. And that is the refusal to forgive is costly. It is extremely costly. It bring, And as I said earlier, it brings shame on the cross. You see it, how amazingly arrogant of us to say, I receive the forgiveness comes from the cross for myself, but I will not extend that same forgiveness to someone else. And it brings shame to the cross, to what Jesus did at the cross. And I want you to notice, did you notice what the king said to the servant after he called him back in. And I find this amazing. He said, you evil servant. Did you catch that? That wasn't by chance. That wasn't just, uh, you know, slip of tongue. He called him an evil servant. And by that, Jesus was saying something to us. He was saying that when you choose to not forgive, you were listening to Satan. You were listening to evil. Because who else wants you not to forgive except Satan? Satan is the only one to gain by our refusal to forgive. It's the only one. We have everything to gain by forgiving. Because it sets us free. It releases us We don't have the bitterness and the pain and the anger and all the other things that come with it. And you notice, he says that he put him in a prison to be tortured. I just want to say this. If you're asking the question, does God put you in a torture chamber? My answer is no, he doesn't put you there. You put yourself there. You send yourself to prison. Because the truth of it is, whoever you hate, you become a slave to that person. You don't own them, they own you. Because they dominate your every thought, your every moment, your waking moments. They dominate you. You become their slave. And they don't even know it most of the time. He says, you evil servant. He is saying to his believers, to his church, he's saying, church, when you choose not to forgive, you listen to Satan. You take a stand against God. You say, boy, that's pretty strong. I said, well, yeah, it is. But when you choose to listen to Satan... And you choose to say, I'm not going to do what God told me to do. Then it is a stand against God. And we have to realize how important it is and the costliness. And another thing I, I think is kind of interesting. Did you notice what the unforgiving servant did to his debtor? What did he do? Choked him. 
He grabbed, and again, I don't think that's by choice. I think there's, a, there's something going on here. And I thought, you know, when we choose not to forgive, let's say your husband does something, or your wife, whatever, could be your friend, but let's say they do something, and it just sticks in your craw, and you don't want to forgive. You want that revenge. You know what you're doing? You're choking the life out of your marriage. You have a friend who hurts you and you don't want to forgive. You're choking the life out of that friendship. That servant grabbing him by the throat was a picture of what we do when we won't forgive. It's a high cost. We choke to death the relationships that mean the most to us. And we put ourselves in prison. We enslave ourselves. And what about the torture? What about the torture? Pretty simple. Because when you don't forgive, you're tortured by all kinds of emotional distress. Don't tell me anger is not a torturer. Bitterness, resentment, depression, anger. And then here's the other angle to it that's pretty obvious. If you have all kinds of mental, emotional torture that's going on because of your inability or unwillingness to forgive, that will affect your physical life. It will affect your physical body. They have many studies that have tied into our middle anguish and turmoil and depression and discouragement and bitterness and resentment. That will actually cause cancer and all kinds of other diseases in your body. Because your mental picture, if you are angry and miserable and you make sure everybody else around you is miserable and angry, Don't tell me that won't affect you physically. So I say again, there's a high cost to not forgiving. There's a high cost. And the parable that he gave us here is a picture of how high the cost is. And I know there have been a lot of people who have read this parable and they said, there's no way God would put us in a prison. And, and in a real sense, I agree with that because, again, I say, we put ourselves there. Now, I want you to think just for a moment, somebody close to you, your family, maybe a friend, you know somebody that has bitterness and anger and resentment against somebody, and it's destroying them and making everybody else miserable. How many of you know somebody like that? Yeah, amazing. Now, let me just ask you a real simple question. Do you like being around these people? (laughs) If you're like me, you avoid them like a plague. And sometimes you've got to make up reasons why you don't want to be around them. But they're miserable to be around. And then they want to tell you everything again. (laughs) They want to recount the story all over. Did I tell you about what they did to me? 
And you know, we can get angry over small things. I had, and, and unfortunately this has happened to me multiple times over the years, but I had a, a person in the church. Uh, they came down to the front, prayer time, you know, holy time, really a time you're trying to hear from God. And so the person walked up to me, and I noticed they had avoided talking to anybody else. They wanted to make sure I prayed for them. So I thought, oh, they believe I'm a man of God. Hallelujah. And so when they walked up, you know, I said, hi, how can I pray for you? And boy, this scowl was on their face. And I thought, oh, this is trouble. You just sensed it. There's trouble. He said, I'm so angry at you. And I've been so angry at you for the last year. And it's just, and I thought, what have I done, you know? Who have I murdered, you know? Well, what, what is, now you're, I'm not, I'm not lying. This is the truth. She said, several months back, you walked right past me. And you started to say hi to me. But you got focused on something else and just walked past me. And you did it on purpose because you hate me. And I thought, oh my, what am I going to do? Have mercy on my soul. I said, to be honest, ma'am, I don't remember this situation. I don't remember it. But if I did walk past you, and it's because I thought of something I needed to take care of. And I went and took care of it, and I forgot to come back and say hi to you. I didn't do it intentionally. You know, we can get offended and upset and angry. And I thought to myself, what a waste of anger. <laughs> what a waste of anger to be angry over something petty like that. And so I'll say this. Sometimes we put ourselves in prison needlessly over things that are unrealistic expectations. So that kind of leads us to the third thing that I want us to see, and that is the secret of forgiveness is grace. Say the word grace to me. Grace. Don't you enjoy God's grace? What does that mean? God has extended grace to you. He is gracious to you. He has given us far more than we deserve. It is God's grace. And the older you get and the more you walk with God, the more you appreciate and understand God's grace. You, you understand how little we deserve and how great is God's graciousness. Amazing grace means more and more to you over the years. But I want you to think about this. We extend grace as grace is extended to us. And that's the essence of forgiveness. And that's what this king said to this unforgiving servant. He said, shouldn't you have had mercy as you have received mercy? Shouldn't you extend grace as grace has been extended to you? Shouldn't you give grace? You know, there's... And if, 
there's a verse in Ephesians. There, there, I mean, there are many, many verses in the Bible that talk about forgiveness. But one of my favorite is in Ephesians chapter 4, just verse 31, 32. Such a powerful verse because it says, don't do this, but do this. And look at 31 and 32 of Ephesians 4. It says this. This is the stuff you get rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. How many of you have ever spoken harsh words? Got everybody there. And slander, just speaking bad about somebody. Slandering their character. You know, you may think you can slander someone because they deserve it. And you and I may agree that they deserve it, but you still can't slander. You can't speak evil. And here, verse 32 says, get rid of 31, but this is what we need to do. And I love this. Instead... Be kind to each other. Kind of wraps up everything. Just be nice. And then I love this. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ is forgiving you. Tender hearted. I I thought about that word tender hearted. And when you look at the meaning of the word. It really just means to consider that person and what they're going through. So, so many times we get angry at someone and we really haven't considered what they're going through. That person that cuts you off in traffic that you want to get angry about, they may have lost their mother. They may, may be heading to a funeral of their best friend. You don't know what they're going through. And the reason why they're doing what they're doing may have nothing to do with you, but something else that's going on. So, again, tender-hearted. It's just to extend mercy, extend grace. You know, the truth of it is we get angry at people for doing things that we ourselves do. (laughs) We get angry and upset for things that we ourselves have done in the past. So to be tender-hearted is to think, you know, I'm just going to extend grace. I'm going to extend grace. Because otherwise, you are going to be one miserable person. I don't know if you've read the story of Corey Ten Boom. My wife told me just the other day, I didn't realize that she actually heard her speak uh, in person in Dallas. But if you've read any of her books, one of her most powerful testimonies, and it's the testimony that jumps out at me. You know, she went to prison camp, a torture prison camp called Ravensbrück. Her and her sister, Betsy, were in that prison camp in Germany. And they endured a lot of terrible, humiliating things. But she said the worst thing was what all the women and and the camp did had to do. They were forced to go to a they call it a delousing shower. And all the German guard, men guards, would come and gather in the shower and watch them and leer at them and ridicule and taunt them. 
while the women had to take a shower in front of those men. And she said there was one guard in particular, a large man, who was one of the most cruel, especially to her sister, Betsy. And she tells the story how her sister didn't fare as well as Corey Ten Boom because her sister died from the torture and the malnutrition and that camp. She said several years after the war was over, she went back to Germany because the love of God was so strong in her. And she went back to Germany to preach about the forgiveness of Jesus. And she said she was in a meeting one day in Germany. And she said after the meeting, a large man began walking down the aisle to talk to her. And suddenly she realized the man was the guard who was so cruel to her and to her sister. And she began to tremble. And he walked up to her extended his hand and said, Fraulein, I've heard you talk about the forgiveness of Jesus. Would you please forgive me? I have become a Christian. Would you forgive me? And she said, she froze. She said everything within her, all she could think about was her sister and the hurt and the shame And the humiliation that she endured from that man. And she said the truth was. I didn't want to touch him. I didn't want to shake his hand. I didn't want to forgive him. He had hurt me. Beyond measure. And she said as she began. And he just kept his hand out there. Hoping. She would take his hand. And forgive him. And then suddenly it dawned on her and she began to weep. She cried out to God, God, forgive me. Forgive me for being unwilling to forgive. I came here to preach forgiveness. And yet I'm not willing to forgive. Lord, forgive me. And she said when she was willing to ask God to forgive her for her unwillingness, she said something broke inside of her. And she reached out and grabbed that man's hand. And she said, I forgive you. I forgive you because God has forgiven me. She said that incident was the turning point in her recovery. She said, I I did not realize the flood of anger and bitterness and resentment that was within me. I didn't realize the hatred was still there for what those guards did. She said, but because I was willing to reach out and take his hand and say, I forgive you. She said, it all washed away. And she said, I became a new person. 
I was able to express the love of God in a way that I couldn't before. You see, she made a decision. She said, I'm not going to a torture camp. I'm not going to be tortured by my bitterness and resentment. I'm not going there. And so I would ask you, will you stay in your prison and continue to be tortured by anger and bitterness and resentment, depression and discouragement? Or would you choose to let go and be set free? It's really that simple. Has nothing to do with them. Has nothing to do with them saying, I'm sorry. Has nothing to do with them trying to make amends. Has nothing to do with that. Has all to do with God and what he did for you at the cross and how he extended mercy to you. And your choice to say, yes, God. Because of the grace that you have extended to me, I will extend grace back. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Lord, you know every person in this room. And Lord, you know every person in this room that is in prison. And there are some people in this room that are in prison. And to this day, They are still being tortured by depression, anxiety, discouragement, anger, bitterness, resentment, rage. And Lord, I believe that the parable that you gave us was the doorway out of the prison. It was the way out of the torture chamber by choosing forgiveness over bitterness. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would choose you, would choose your way. Lord, I pray that you're speaking to the hearts of people today. I wonder this morning if you would be willing to step outside of that prison and say, Lord, I make a choice today. I make a choice to let go. Let go of the abuse. You may may have been abused as a child. It might have been a family member. You may have been hurt by your husband or your wife. You may have had cruel words spoken to you by someone while you're growing up and you still remember it. I don't know why you're in that torture chamber. I do know that God wants to set you free. If you're willing and desire to be set free, First of all, I'm going to ask everyone if you if you would just to stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet, our worship team is going to sing that song we sang a minute ago about God being awesome. And while they sing, I'm going to ask you 
if you want to step outside of that torture chamber and let go the hurts the offenses the abuse whatever it is you would be willing to let go I'm going to ask you to come down to the front I want to pray with you anybody come on I know there are hundreds of you this morning there are hundreds of you that you want to be set free something happened it may have been years and years and years ago God wants to set you free this morning he wants to open the doors to the prison and set you free awesome today I am forgiven his grace is why I'm living grace is holy my God is awesome. We're going to wait just a minute. Anybody else? Yes. Come on. Anybody else? This is the day to be set free. This is the day to get out of prison. somebody in here that been angry at your father you've been angry at your father for years things that he did and things that he didn't do you feel like he was not a good father to you there's a lot of anger in you God wants you to let that go he wants to release you of that let your heavenly father be your father let go of it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. For those of you who are here at the front, I just want to thank you for being willing to step out. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand as an act of surrender. Pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I'm coming out of prison. I'm getting out, Lord. I'm tired of being tortured. I'm tired of being angry, resentful. I make a choice today. I choose to let go of the pain of the past. I'm tired of it. It will not dominate my life. It will not control my life. I declare... I am free in the name of Jesus. I choose to forgive because you have forgiven me because of the grace that you've given me. I extend grace and forgiveness. And every day I make that same choice. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who sets me free by your Holy Spirit. I am free, and I will stay free. In the name of Jesus, I will not be angry. I will not be bitter, but I will be forgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, we worship.
I thank you for releasing all the prisoners and we'll stay free. In Jesus' name, all the people said amen. 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 I love you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen.